Stairway to heaven in reverse, and let's see if that works. Hopefully, hopefully Satan will be joining us at the desk by the end of this. Hail Satan! <laughs> it probably won't work because Ben, you and I know that Chicago are really what you know draws Satan. <laughs> it's the true key to raising the Overlord. Yeah. Oh, that, it's a little Nicky reference. <laughs> That's it. That's your evil. You turned a Coke into a Pepsi. <laughs> I reckon Little Nicky is like one of the best satanic movies of them all. It's just like, it's good that you brought this up now because <laughs> it was going to be one of the movies I talked about. And then last minute, well, no, actually I, I had, I had picked other films and then last night I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> Little Nicky is the ultimate Satan movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I watched that again after we did our Hubie Halloween thing with uh, Chloe I reckon Nick, little Nicky gets better with it age. Certainly does. Rodney Dangerfield, like he, <laughs> he so doesn't good. even get respect in hell. <laughs> <laughs> but John Lovitz, John Lovitz is so good. Yep. <laughs> oh God. And Hitler. You know, like it doesn't. You know, yeah. um, you know who we don't see around anymore? Peter Dante. Remember him? He's the the guy that's always like a bit of a stoner guy in all the Adam Sandler movies. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where's he gone? I figure he is. Isn't he? Is he directing them or something? Is no, that no. Is that like, but Sandler uh... didn't bring him along for the whole Netflix trip that they've been doing. Ah, uh, is that why? Yeah. It's what? just that other guy. The guy from I don't know who the other guy's name is. The good boy. <laughs> oh, the the Alan Covert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's because he owns the Happy Madison with Adam Sandler. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know why we're going down that road. <laughs> <laughs> A little too in depth on Adam Sandler. Well, anyway, uh, we are talking about devil worship movies this week, uh, so this should be fun. And we're going to be digressing into some Thai West talk as well, uh, because the focus film this week is House of the Devil, which we're going to discuss soon. Um, and as a treat, we've got a, an exclusive interview with Martin Henderson, who does star in Thai West's latest movie, X. So that's that's kind of why we're doing the Thai West thing. <laughs> kind of, you know, it works though. Yeah, right about. My name's Glenn Cochran. How's it going, everybody? Thanks heaps for joining us today. Right across the desk from me is Ben Helwig, Lord of Dark Arts. How are you, mate? <laughs> I never even slept over some dude's house. <laughs> He's going to be doing Adam Sandler, <laughs> little Nicky lines for the rest of the show. Oh, what shit. is rent? <sighs> Good Movie Monday is the podcast. We're dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. And uh, it's the first show of the month, which means that we are joined by Melissa Begg. How are you? Good. Good to be back. Yes. And you come to us from the Melbourne Horror Film Society. It's your second show with us. How do you think you went the first time Well, around? I think it's going to be a steep decline <laughs> because last time I was way over-prepared. Like, it was ridiculous. You saw me scrolling through all of my ridiculous amount of notes just shaking your head. And then this time I feel like I'm turning up completely unprepared. So, I, I don't like, know, maybe by the next one we'll have a happy medium. But anyway. I was going to say, I can see on your phone barely two paragraphs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, and, the, and, and, and the font size. Is massive, is massive. So, and know. by paragraphs, I'm being I'm being generous. Yeah, yeah, two sentences. Two sentences. <laughs> yeah. Actually, 
especially barely two sentences. <laughs> well, you know what? Moving forward, most of the shows that you're going to appear on, we're going to tie the themes to whatever you're doing at the Horror Society. So mm-hmm. your next screening, um, your next main screening is Ty West, House of the Devil. Jeez. Now, we can talk about that soon, um, but let's quickly chat about the most recent screening. You guys did People Under the Stairs. That was a fantastic night. Um, full House. Woohoo! Yeah, absolutely. And people genuinely enjoyed it. You know, that was the best part of it is that they did a, a like a show of hands around the room who hasn't seen the film. Almost everybody hadn't seen the film, which mm. shocked wow. me. I guess it's more of an obscurity than I thought it was. But I guess it's too, like, what was it? It's 90s? 91. 91. Yeah. So yeah. if you just weren't... And most of the people there were young. Like, and that was, <laughs> I was sitting yeah. next to one and she was talking to me about it and... I realise how old I am. <laughs> yeah. When you kind of think that a lot of people there would have been born ninety-one, yeah. yeah. even right. after, yeah, later, and that makes me feel old because yeah. I remember renting this as a new release. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but they enjoyed it thoroughly, and awesome. as I mentioned on the night, laughed at the right moments. There's nothing worse. Yes. I hate people that laugh at stuff just because it's dated poorly yes. or something. Yes, yes. Fucking hate it so much. But these people laughed where they were supposed to. Awesome. We've got a good. Crowd, we've got yeah, a good community. A lot of um, newbies there too. That yeah, haven't been along. I heard so. that disclaimer. I was not there. <laughs> yeah. I know you were <laughs> sorely missed. I've gone very quiet over this <laughs> and am reacting like I'm just hearing this information for the first time because I am. <laughs> I got stuck at the boom gates at my work <laughs> and was going to be quite late, and so I took the opportunity to have a little bit of an early night. Well, but, you were, um, you were sorely missed, but it was a fantastic night. So let's quickly spruik the society. For listeners, uh, or for those who are not aware, what's the website? MelbourneHorrorFilmSociety.org. Excellent. And can you explain the two types of screenings that you guys did? So we have on the last Tuesday of every month, we have our traditional screening. So it's in a cinema at the back of Longplay in Fitzroy North. Mm-hmm. Um, we generally, so there's four of us that run the society and we generally do like a three month each um, program. We do an introduction at the start of the film and then, <clears throat> and um, yeah, it's awesome. And then we've just started doing a, another, a second screening on the last Saturday of every month and we're curating sort of more B-grade, really fun films for True North in uh, Coburg and that's on a projector and just a real party atmosphere and, yeah, lots and lots of fun. Awesome, awesome. And as I said, the next long play screening is House of the Devil, Mm. which does lead us into today's theme of devil worship movies. As always, this is open to interpretation. There's the kind of... Two ways you can go about this. You can go the comedy way or you can go the horror way. So I'll be interested to see which way you guys have gone. I know Ben's um, probably going to do the devil and Max Devlin. Like. <laughs> oh, God, you devil. <laughs> or you could go down the Angel Heart, Rosemary's Baby type. I, I can't wait to find out. Uh, alrighty, so let's get on with things. But before we do, let's take a listen to Jarrett Garn from Monster Pictures. He's going to give you a quick rundown on what's coming out this week on Home Entertainment. There's some good stuff. Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Now, what's hitting home entertainment this week? Well, I'm going to start with Universal Sony as they've got the biggest release of the week. It's Ghostbusters Afterlife and it's hitting all the formats, 4K, Blu-ray and DVD. Now, the 4K and Blu-ray do have special features. There's seven featurettes and they range from revealing all the Easter eggs that are woven within the film down to special effects of the film. Then there's a deleted scene, that's right, one deleted scene. What does this mean? It probably means they're saving the rest of them for a 5th or 10th anniversary edition. We'll see. Also out from Universal Sony is the animated sequel 
Adam's Family 2 hitting Blu-ray and DVD. Then from Paramount's back catalogue comes Escape from Los Angeles. That's right, John Carpenter's Escape from Los Angeles is hitting 4K Ultra HD locally. Unfortunately, there are no special features, but that is the same in the US and the UK. If you want special features, you're going to have to pick up Scream Factory's Blu-ray release from the States. Then moving on to Roadshow, they're releasing the 355 on Blu-ray and DVD. And they're also releasing from the Warner catalogue King Richard. However, it's only coming out on DVD. Apparently, Warner had told Roadshow that after the other night's incident at the Oscars, they didn't see fit to release the film in HD. They said, we only want it on SD because Will Smith's an asshole. Then moving on to Imprint. Imprint have a ton of releases, and I'm just going to run through them pretty quickly. We've got Sam Peckerpah's The Osterman Weekend hitting Blu-ray. That's a deluxe edition, a two-disc edition. Then there's a Steve McQueen film, The Hunter hitting Blu-ray. There's Audrey Rose hitting Blu-ray. Johnny Got His Gun on Blu-ray. Marooned on Blu-ray. I mean, they're all on Blu-ray, so I'll just keep saying the titles instead. Conquest of Space and China Gate. Then moving on to Umbrella, they've got a ton of releases. First up, they've got Child's Play hitting Blu-ray as part of their Beyond Genre series. This isn't just a repack or refresh, in fact it's a new edition that features a ton of special features ported over from the Screen Factory release in the US, while still preserving all the archival MGM special features that were on the previous Umbrella Blu-ray. They've also got Long Weekend hitting Blu-ray as part of the Ozploitation Classics line. Again, this isn't just porting all the special features from the previous edition, it's got a ton of new stuff as well, and it includes some lobby cards in pack as well. Also, Harlequin is hitting Blu-ray as part of the Ozploitation classics line and again it also features some lobby cards too then two hands is hitting blu-ray in the sunburnt screen series then the light horseman also on the sunburnt screens and lastly crabs is hitting dvd this one played monster fest last year if you missed it you should catch up with it either on digital or pick up the dvd then lastly, Shock are releasing a few films from the Lifetime catalogue. These are films that have been broadcast on Lifetime, and we all know who's a big Lifetime fan. Yes, I'm talking to you, Ben Helwig. They're all VC Andrews adaptations, and they are all the glitters, the mist, and Hidden Jewel. So that's it for me for this week. So until next time, stay physical. That is a shit ton of imprint releases this week, and I kind of want them all. Audrey Rose, Johnny Got His Gun, some good stuff coming out. But uh, so many movies. I, I'm particularly excited about King Richard hitting DVD, aren't you, Ben? Or do you have to worry about the DVD hitting you? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just will not put it next to G.I. Jane <laughs> in the collection, that's all. I just make sure that they're on opposite sides of the shelves. And it will be fine. But you could get my wife's name out of your yeah. mouth. <laughs> you could you could put King Richard next to the Rock. Yeah, that'd, that'd work too. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> we didn't predict that on our Oscars show. I was going to say that you guys got it all wrong. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't get. Uh, yeah, you you got you got you had a couple. I think I had none. I don't know how Sam did. It's fair to say we missed the mark. We missed the mark pretty. Like, I think we, everyone I think, did. Yeah. I think. Personally, well, I think it's, we just missed the mark. We just overestimated. I like yeah. to think that we just overestimated the Academy. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't get it wrong. We were right. They would. They were wrong. Mm, yeah, absolutely. But we didn't predict that it would uh, change the face of television. <laughs> yeah. Call like a, you know, the slap that was heard around the world. <laughs> And that was, and I thought the slap that was heard around the world was that Big Brother donkey slap, <laughs> turkey slap. Uh, I knew, I knew he was going there. Like that was, 
I remember like, that was wow. huge yeah. when that happened. <laughs> it sure was. This is bigger. And there wasn't even <laughs> testicles involved. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Imagine if that would have been the thing, though. If Will Smith had come <laughs> there and turkey shot him. <laughs> There's a visual component of what we're saying right now, and it's hilarious. I can, I can assure you. And it, it came from Mel, not Ben. <laughs> Uh, but I know, like, you know, I'm excited about these things, but Ben is more excited because you've got those VC Andrews movies coming out. Funnily well, enough, I was just talking about these on the weekend. All That Glitters, Hidden Jewel, um, Pearl of the Mist. Not Hallmark movies, but Lifetime's an honourable next best, isn't it? Yeah, like Lifetime incest movies. Yeah. It's not something that you see every day. <laughs> like no. even, Like, even pornography... When they get into this, they're very quick to establish that, ah, oh, they're stepbrothers and stepsisters. <laughs> yeah. In the Virginia Andrews ones, no, no, no. <laughs> or, not my brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, she goes for it. And yeah. I, remember, I don't understand, because I didn't really, I didn't get into these books in high school or, or primary mm. school. It really seemed to be a, it was what, the ladies loved them. Mm. Like, my sister read them all, all the girls salacious. in school. Yeah. They were all into the... You know, that was the, you know, and I thought they were horror. And then you're like, well, I mean, they kind of are, but they're also... Well, also, Flowers <laughs> in the Attic had this con- this misconception of being a horror film. And yeah. Wes mm. Craven was attached to that at one point. He was mm. going to direct it. He's like, but he, he was like, how do I get around this? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it was the, the studio freaked out that he was attacking the, or approaching the incest stuff far too gratuitously. Oh. Right. Yeah, which, I mean, if you're... If you're going with the book, yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, how do you like? Let's uh, just so it's just kids locked in a basement in, in an attic. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, why? Oh, no reason. Lifetime have adapted fourteen of of VC Andrews books in the last uh, well since two thousand fourteen. They've gone. Th- you know, it's like um, when Dave Dakota was doing all of those the, the Edgar Allan Poe uh, mm. movies, but he was doing like the gay version of them. <laughs> and so they're all like gay erotic thrillers, but to Edgar Allan Poe movies, we, and they're you know. Pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Well, you know, I did like those uh, lifetime versions of the Flowers in the Attic and their their <laughs> progressively shittier sequels. <laughs> and they're doing another one. Apparently, they're doing the prequel. They're turning the prequel novel into a new movie. Is there incest in the prequel novel? Because is, is that just the the girl disobeying her father and going ma- going I know, to marry? Because there was far more incest in the sequels than there was in Flowers <clears throat> in the Attic. Like the thing that There's I found a theme for a future show: mm. in- <laughs> incest. <laughs> <laughs> he said that so confidently. <laughs> I was, I, the tagline was just the, the theme we love. The, the, but it's so weird that even in the in the later books, like the the girls, and it's it generally it's, the, sorry, it's a female. It's a female protagonist. She can't escape the incest. Yeah. She runs away from one dangerous relationship. And then, shock horror, the new man. It's like sleeping with the enemy, but you find out that, that the new guy that she's shacked up with is actually her husband in disguise or something. Like it's, <laughs> He just pulls a Scooby-Doo mask off. Like he's like, hang on, you've just run away from, from your, the creepy brother that you're having sex with. Right into the arms of the long lost brother that you never knew you oh had. Oh my god! <laughs> well, so I knew you. I knew you'd amazing. be down for it. I knew you'd yeah. be down. I for thought it. we were going to be talking about the Warriors. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough of that. Let's raise some hell with some recommendations. Devil worship in movies. Ben, do you want to kick us off and um, perhaps read it backwards and see what happens? <laughs> uh, rating X, Bride Devils the <laughs> US the in released sixty eight outrides Devil the. Mm. 
nothing's happening. I'm going to talk about one of my favourite, my all-time favourite Hammer horror films, Ooh. The Devil Rides Out. Yeah. 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 I was cl- that was close. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good one. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an awesome film. And like, it's, it was made in 1968. It was in the US, it was released as The Devil's Bride, believe it or not, because the Americans, when when Hammer produced it and sent it over to them for consideration, because I can't remember who they had a, a partnership with, Warner Brothers or something, they thought it was a Western. <laughs> so they, yeah, well, oh, it sounds like yeah. a Western. It sounds like a Western. Yeah. Well, there's a lot, yeah. Um, so they changed it to The Devil's Bride in uh, in the US where it got an X rating, which mm, is great. Like good old American X. Um, but directed by a long-time Hammer, Hammer director Terence Fisher. Uh, but it took me a couple of watches to realize that it's not set in the 60s. Mm. I don't know why I just thought it was because it does. It's got a very, very much like a James Bond, like mm. the Sean Connery James Bond kind of vibe to yep. it. But then you realize, oh no, right at the start, the guy's flying a biplane. <laughs> he's driving around in the he's in the Rolls Royce, but he's just got the the kind of horn thing that yeah. comes out so he can talk to the, the pipe. <laughs> he can talk to the driver and stuff. But otherwise, there's no. It's only the cars, really. Yep. There's no other set pieces in the film that would give away what time it's set in. Sure. Just yeah. the cars, really. Um, and it's one of the few... Oh, it's not the few, but it's one of the kind of rare ones where, in a, in a especially in a Terrence Fisher movie, where Christopher Lee's playing the good guy. Mm-hmm. And he's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's so good as the good guy. Like You're just like, why aren't there more of these films yeah. where he's just... Uh, you know, the concerned adult <laughs> amongst all these people who are similar age... Yep. Yet children in comparison. Yeah, put him in the horror. Don't let him be the horror. Yeah, mm. yeah, for sure. And he's got like the perfect foil in this one. So basically, this film is about uh, these two guys. They learn that they're um, they haven't seen each other in a while, and they've got a third friend and uh, who's dropped out of sight. And when they go and visit him, they find he's they walk in on this meeting, uh, and they find out that he's gotten involved with some satanists, a circle of satanists who are trying to. Uh, they're sacrificing chickens and um, <laughs> summoning demon things and uh, all this sort of stuff, trying to um, give themselves magical powers, all mm. in the name of Satan. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's really, it's really cool. Awesome, Satan. Um, yeah, <laughs> damn Satan. Um, it's got a great cast. So it's a bit, the 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 villain in it, who's like Christopher Lee level, mm. is great. Is um, is Charles Gray, who was oh, yeah. Blofeld from. Uh, from Diamonds Are Forever, yeah, the no, narrator from and, Rocky Horror. Yeah, the narrator. Yeah, the narrator from Rocky Horror. He's he's so good, but they they really they're really similar characters. Yeah, in the film, it's just it's a fantastic kind of meeting of the uh, what's the word the presences because mm. both of them have this like super strong kind of presence, and he's got like um, Charles Gray has the, the kind of one of the greatest lines in movie history when he's like, uh, "I'm leaving now." I won't be back later. I won't be back again, but something will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he leaves, yeah, and it's so good. good. Yeah. <laughs> I flubbed the line, though. <laughs> but uh, it is amazing. It's a great film. Uh, it's available on DVD locally, and I found, I didn't realize this, but when I was going through, I watched the extras today, and uh, there's a commentary, there's a commentary track with, like, Christopher Lee and yeah. Terrence, and, and, uh, one of the writers, I think, because that's wow. the other thing. Like, so the, the, it's based on a book uh, by Dennis Wheatley, Dennis who, yeah. who wrote did a all lot of satanic books, or like a lot of satanic books. <laughs> well, he he was a like there's a great there's a great kind of doco on him mm. in, as part of the extra features where 
because he was doing spy thrillers and stuff. And yeah. then they went out of fashion and the occult books came back in in the 60s. And all of a sudden, he's pumping them out like well, nobody's business. Yeah, uh, to the devil of daughter is the main one that really put yeah. him on the map. Yeah. And then, but then he wrote the script and the feedback from the American, well, or I think maybe from, maybe just from Hammer here was that it was too British. So then they sent over, they sent over Richard Matheson, the author of like, I am legend and Lucifer's <laughs> hammer to rewrite it. Oh. Uh, so it's like, a, it's this all star kind of behind the scenes mm. crew. Um, it's just a, it's just a fantastic movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I, it definitely warrants a revisit for sure. Yeah. But yeah, but like, yeah. So there's the, that audio commentary is not listed on the, the, the studio canal brought these, brought them all out. Yeah. A whole bunch. They had two. I think two lots of Hammer movies that came out, like each with eight or nine titles. And this this commentary is not listed on the extra features. It's just there. Bizarre. God. Which is great. That's it's like a, a treat. Yeah. yeah. It's like a little, uh, like yeah, a little present. Little present from the devil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only for the biggest worshippers. Yeah. There you go. You, you passed. Yeah. You've won. I'm in. <laughs> well, that's what you get when you start by reading it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, like the one thing I kind of, it did kind of come out. Like this is a, this is a devil worship movie. Yeah. But when you look at what the Satanists are doing, and it like, it kind of goes back to, um, doesn't go back to because it was done mm. a lot after, but mm. um, the Da Vinci Code, right, right at the start when he's talking about all of the, how Christianity converted a lot of the pagan rituals and turned that yep. into Satan. Bastardized like that's, them. Yeah, yeah. That's, you mm. know, and basically it's to warn people away from paganism and so that they should worship their true Lord, our God, blah, blah, blah. And in this, like it really does mm. come out, come through in this that you're like, you know, they're really just, <laughs> they're just worshipping like pagan deities, they're not really. <laughs> it's not like there's, there's a little bit of blood sacrifice in there. Like, yeah, sure, yeah. but you well. know, what doesn't have a? You watch Wicker Man. There's a little bit of. <laughs> you know, if one if one person has to be sacrificed well, in a I've, giant Wicker Man in order to save the entire aisle, <laughs> I've got one coming up that kind of falls into that category. Mm. But Mel, what have you got? So when I started thinking about this, I I realized like, occult films really are a subgenre that I really like and I sort of hadn't really I don't really take the time to sort of think about what's what's my favorite and all that sort of thing but um but yeah when I sort of started looking into films like oh yeah I love that I love that I love that so I had some honorable mentions so Jennifer's Body oh yeah Fear Street which I spoke Mm. about on radio last year um The Omen and Rosemary's Baby Mm. I actually showed for a screening when I was pregnant (laughs) I did a in 2018 I did a I did um, Rosemary's Baby, Prevenge, and It's Alive. And I was actually in labour while I was doing the intro for It's Alive. <laughs> you, that you didn't realise? Like yeah. The, like the contractions were coming no, in? No, like... like I just had... So I had my baby shout or baby cue or whatever the day before. <laughs> just get together, you know. It's a baby horror cue. movie, yeah. And baby exactly, cue. Baby cue. Great, I know. I imagine if I just, imagine if I said a gender reveal, then we'd all be like, get out. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay. out. No, a lot better than an unboxing. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so the day before I'd had, I'd had like wedge heels on. And so I just thought, that I had really, really sore back because I'd been in wedges. I was like, I just pushed it too far. I just was on my feet too much, I guess, you know, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, yeah, then it turned out, yeah. I thought it was a present from the devil. (laughs) Yes, and isn't he just? (laughs) I thought you were going to say that you you just finished the the presentation. Mm. Without further ado, 
It's alive. And then and your, water, yeah. your water broke and it was like that scene in The Shining where all the water comes yeah. And then you say, oh, oh my God, God. yes. <laughs> and it ends with, told you so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> well, anyway, so so love all those films. Love Rosemary's Baby. But So I've, I decided to go with two films that I hadn't seen before because I'm always needing to see more. Um, so I've gone with The Ninth Gate oh, to start with. Yes. So just to start with, um, you know, how Roman Polanski can be even making films, you know, for all these years is just insane. But anyway. So and we'll you factor in that. the Johnny Depp thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so. The secret is he makes them in France. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I moved to a country with no extradition orders. Uh, yeah. You know, for, 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 for sex stuff. Yeah. Like the French are like, like you know, we'll yeah. give you murder. Yeah, 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 we'll give yeah, you yeah. a corporate, like anything to do with money. Yes, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But sex good stuff. Uh, sure we don't. So let's just, let's just pretend that all he does is make good movies. Mm. We'll just pretend. Mm. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, so yes, yeah, so as you said, Johnny Depp. So he plays Dean Corso, who's a rare book dealer in New York City. And he's hired by Boris Belkin, played by Frank Langella, the amazing Frank Langella, to find the last two copies of a text that holds the key to summoning the devil. So he kind of turns into this book detective going on capers and meeting with different people through Europe. And they also all start turning up dead in the same way that's depicted in the engravings that are signed LCF in the books. So you never know who to trust throughout the film, which is a bit of a staple for Polanski movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying anything more. <laughs> <laughs> and you're never really rooting for anyone either, but you do come across some entertaining characters along the way, which are very over the top, especially when compared with Johnny Depp's character, who is very nonchalant and, um, yeah, doesn't have that much personality. Look at that cover. Glenn's just pulled out the DVD. Is he smoking a cigarette? On the Well, and that has a different meaning as well because one of the most horrifying things about this film is the treatment of these 17th century books that they are smoking all over. And, like, someone smokes and drops ash. on. I'm an archivist by trade, so, you know, I'm like, Ugh. So someone's, like, smoking over the top of it, drops ash in it, and then, like, rubs it, rubs yeah. it, like, rubs it into the There's, cover. It's like, Do you ever find, like, let's just do a bit of a digression there. You watch a detective movie or something like that, and the cop has got this, you know, it's the only copy of something they have. <laughs> yeah. One, they'll scrunch it up, put it in their pocket, yeah. or they'll, like, spill their coffee on it and just wipe the coffee off. As if to smudge everything, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, oh, the amount of times you see them when they pick up murder weapons with like white rags, and yeah. you're like, so you're just wiping the prints off? <laughs> yeah. What? Uh... But it makes me think, like, is this a deliberate movie making kind of trope that, you know, it's kind of just cool to have them do that? Yeah. But... It's, you can tell, like, movies made pre CSI <laughs> and post CSI. <laughs> yeah. like, what, anyway. what was that great? It's like a great courtroom drama thing where the lawyers are talking about. I don't know. Rafferty's rules. It could be Rafferty's <laughs> rules. Fulvio was going on about uh, how, you know, now juries all expect this, you know, where's the DNA? Show me that DNA. And they're like, the lab's six months back. We don't have DNA. But there's nothing. But they were just, that CSI's ruining it for everyone. <laughs> Sorry, that was a digression. Um, yeah, so anyway, I love the score in mm. this, like really love the score. Um, and there's these two, like, elderly 
twins, like male twins, and they're hilarious and I wish that they were in it more. They just like talk in circles and then they, they're they played by the same person, but you kind of wouldn't... Oh, so oh, they're not the twins anyway. from Gremlins too. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not Tilda Swinton, is it? Oh, <laughs> God. Role. Hope not. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but they're really funny and Frank Langella's really good and uh, Polanski's wife is in it as the girl. Um, she has a couple of good scenes, like one more so in front of a burning building that's probably the highlight of the movie mm. towards the end. Right. Um, it's been a long oh, time. Oh, and then there's some, there's some random kung fu. Oh, like fighting we, we action under a bridge. Excellent. Yeah. Yep. Which kind of was interesting after the pieces screening because there's a random kung fu. Yeah. 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 Oh, Dr. Chang. So I was like, Professor oh, Lee. Hey. Oh, Professor Lee. Sorry. I didn't realize like, it was did you. Did Polanski watch pieces before this or what? <laughs> but then that was also just because this guy, the kung fu um, actor was just around the set and they were like, oh. So we might as well throw him in there. Yeah, so much for integrity. <laughs> yeah. I always thought like this movie, I don't know if there's been ones prior to this. There probably has. But I thought, you know, when that Masters of Horror cigarette burns episode, which I think was a John Carpenter, John Carpenter one, one, which is the, you know, the film that I was like, this is just a rip off of Ninth Gate. Mm. Like a lot of like, and there's been a lot of these, like even like VHS, yeah, the VHS, one of the one of the VH, those VHS anthology movies. The, yes, yeah. The surrounding story is like this. Yes, yeah. Like this is all just ripped off of yeah. Ninth Gate. Yeah, like, and I, I think guess... because it was it, it bombed in in North America. Did Ninth so... Gate rip anything off? That's the question. Or yeah, is... well, yeah, I know. That's it. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. But I guess, like, I mean, I can see why it bombed because who's buying Johnny Depp as a Book yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. of all the things yeah. that you can be, like, uh. yeah. And he's like, he's dressed like a school student. Like yeah, he's like a, you know, like. And an also, never work. changes. No, he never. Like it's just this. They're in the same oh. outfits the entire for like What's three the, weeks. Sure, it wasn't Jane Campion that directed this. Who's <laughs> <laughs> in chaps the whole time? That's right, fluffy chaps. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. It was. I, I would like to, although in saying that, I don't have much time to watch much. So whether I go back to it. Or not, but um, I would like to watch it again. The the tone was really interesting. It's like it's all kind of yeah. It was odd. It I, was odd. It is the one thing I really enjoy from Roman Polanski films is the tones he puts in. All yeah, them. They, they really are palpable. Um, yeah, my favorite, as Ben knows, is Death and the Maiden with Sigourney Weaver and Ben Kingsley. Yeah, it's just such an icky, like, yeah, gross movie, but it's so like compelling. Yeah, yeah. I need to revisit Knife Gate. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw I saw it at the Miff. Premiere where they had a Q and A with oh Polanski, God, which was God, great. Really, uh, and that's the last, it's the first and only time I've seen it. It's on Stan. How's it going, everybody? It's Get Me Here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favorite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. As always, here to tell you a little bit about what we've covered in the past week, kicking off with some sad news relating to Bruce Willis. The 67-year-old Hollywood superstar has been diagnosed with aphasia which can severely affect the ability to comprehend or formulate language as a result of brain damage. And so it has been announced that Willis is officially leaving behind his acting career due to the medical condition. So yeah, definitely some sad news there. Definitely wishing Bruce all the best through this next difficult period. A planned movie about the Bee Gees is staying alive. Sorry about that. Kenneth Branagh had previously been on board to direct a film about the Bee Gees, the hugely popular music group, but Branagh was forced to depart late last year due to scheduling issues. Now, there's a new director on board, John Carney, known for acclaimed music-driven films Sing Street, Begin Again and Once, is now attached to direct the film with a screenplay by John Logan. 
the three-time Oscar-nominated writer whose credits include Gladiator, Hugo, and Skyfall. Barry Gibb, one of the original BG's members and a sole survivor of the group following the deaths of his younger brothers, is attached as executive producer and will have a hand in the film's narrative. No casting details as yet, stay tuned as this one comes together. Apple has forked out over $100 million for Project Artemis. Why was this project so expensive? Well, it's going to be directed by Jason Bateman, who you may know from Ozark and Arrested Development, and is going to be starring Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans. Johansson and Bateman are among the producers as well. Now, plot details are being kept under wraps, although Deadline does report that the screenplay is set against the space race. That's about it. The screenplay comes from Rose Gilroy, who's actually the daughter of filmmaker Dan Gilroy and actress Renee Russo. Apple is certainly stepping up their film game. They have now won a Best Picture with Coda. And Oscar-winning director Catherine Bigelow has found her next film. The filmmaker, known for The Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, Near Dark, Strange Days, and Point Break, has signed up to direct Aurora, an adaptation of a David Coop novel. Coop will be adapting the screenplay for this one, which is set up at Netflix, of course. The plot tells of a solar storm that knocks out most of humanity's power grids and focuses on the personal story of a divorced mother who must now do everything she can to protect her teenage estranged brother who happens to be a very wealthy Silicon Valley CEO who's built a luxurious desert bunker for such a disaster. No casting details as yet, the book is going to be published on June 7th. We've also got another awesome giveaway up on Screen Realm right now. We're giving away tickets to see Michael Bay Blockbuster Ambulance, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, and Aisa Gonzalez. The film comes out on April 7th, and thanks to Universal Australia, we're giving away 10 double passes. So head to Screen Realm, hit our win page, and enter. We also have a review up for everything, everywhere, all at once. Our writer Adam Fleet called it a wildly imaginative mix of emotions, sci-fi, martial arts, and oddball humor. Indeed, this is a wild, surprisingly emotional, bonkers movie. I definitely suggest you all check that film out. Check out the full review of Screen Roll. That about does for me, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'll catch you next week. Damien, the omen, because you're the devils, you're the demons, and you know that. Your music, rock and roll, is a satanic, is a satanic music when they say you turn around you make the music go back and you hear satan speaking you make the music go back you hear satan speaking you make the music go back you hear satan speaking you make the music go back you hear satan speaking you make the music go back you hear satan speaking you make the music go back you hear satan speaking you make the music go back you hear satan speaking you make the music go back you make the music go back you make the music go back you hear satan speaking today's message is a solemn warning to all young people who listen to rock and roll and heavy metal music. Satan knows he only has a short time to deceive the earth, so he's using music as his antichrist tool to deceive the masses. You make the music go back, you hear Satan speaking. And I'm finally beginning to unravel a bizarre and fiendish plot designed by Satan's antichrist system to corrupt, pervert, and ultimately enslave the youth of this generation. Another one buys the dust. You make the music go back, you hear Satan speaking. Satan's satanic takeover of our youth through rock music. You make the music go back, you hear Satan speaking. All rock music is dangerous. I want to tell you that today, even some of the mellow stuff that doesn't sound like it has anything in it that could be deceptive or even misleading. I started asking God, can you show me how he's doing it? I wanted to have proof positive. Now, Queen has a song called Another One Bites the Dust. We have the same reaction the first service. The kids went, oh no, not Queen. 
Not another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. All rock music is dangerous. Another one bites the dust. I want you to know today that Satan has planted his lyrics in the music, and some of it is subliminal. If that means it's down at low decibel levels where you wouldn't hear it audibly as you play the music at the speed that you or the high uh, sound levels that you would regularly play it. Satan has planted his lyrics in the music. You make the music go black, you hear Satan speaking. There's another message going on below the surface. This is called subliminal programming. You make the music go black, you hear Satan speaking. But I want to say something. I don't believe that this particular masking was intentional. I think that this is something that Satan himself put into the music. Let's play it forwards. Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. Ow! Another one bites the dust. Hey, hey! Another one bites the dust. play that for you backwards it's the next cassette we'll have to put a new cassette in and on this next cassette i want you to hear the secret message it's over and over and over it says it's fun to smoke marijuana it's fun to smoke marijuana it's fun to smoke marijuana you listen to it and tell me if it's not there let's play that was <laughs> it's fun to smoke marijuana it's fun to smoke marijuana it's fun to smoke marijuana now I'm gonna play that backwards for you once more for those of you that are skeptics I don't think we're going to be offended if you just sort of stop and roll the show back a few minutes and listen to that song again. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure I've programmed a more infectious uh, song on the show before. It's a banger. Although I'm so disappointed that you uh, wouldn't let me play the Hombres Let It All Hang Out just for the, just for the beginning, <laughs> just for the little preacher bit at the start. I was like, I don't know what the rest of the song's about. But just nothing, that, to uh, nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. I preach, my dear friends, you're about to receive on John Barleycorn nicotine and the temptations are <laughs> yeah. What an amazing bit. I know. I used to listen to that on my Walkman uh, <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> but um, perhaps that's how Satan sinks his claws into us. The song is Queen versus Satan. Uh, it's fun to smoke dust. <laughs> By DJ Lobster Dust, I might add. Ah, good stuff. Um, so Mel, let's quickly talk about House of the Devil. You guys are screening this at Long Play on the twenty sixth. Yep, Tuesday twenty sixth. Who April. who's responsible for this one? Adam is responsible for this one. Do we know why? Um, not sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Yes. Mm. I mean, he only chooses awesome things, so I would that say that is that is true. Mm-hmm. So it's directed by Ty West. I think he's like he's already become one of the most distinct horror voices around. Uh. I kind of liken him to like a horror version of Tarantino. He's kind of got that thing going mm. for him. Um, 
any he like Tarantino, he borrows voices of other you know cinematic legends. Like his newest one, X, is very much a Toby Hooper type of movie. Mm. Um, but House of the Devil was his third movie. Um, yeah, and I've been trying to produce videos for you guys as much as I can to tie in with your screenings. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find anyone for House of the Devil. I tried. Bastards. I know. Like <sighs> Greta Gerwig was not returning my calls. <laughs> 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 I did actually think I'd be able to wrangle Tom Noonan and Mary Warren of though. Like, yeah, but no, well, they, they know how to use technology. I'm sure. Who's the Who's the lead actress? She's in. Uh... I don't remember her name. But I would have reached out. I reached out. She's to got everybody. a really kind of. I think it's a really kind of generic name. It's like you know Jane Smith or something oh. like that. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't for the life of me remember what it is. But she's mm. she's also in Off Season that we played at Monster Fest last year. Yeah. Well. Um, well, she wasn't returning my calls either. So. I just don't believe you. You don't even know her name. You didn't even make the calls. <laughs> I, I tell you what, everyone that was on the main cast, um, I did. I, I yeah. reached out to them all. Usually I get some kind of response, but I didn't. But that's okay. Uh, we got someone better. <laughs> 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 and we'll talk about that in a second. As you know, Martin Henderson. Um, I didn't exactly wrangle it, but you know, it came our way. Very conveniently, <laughs> didn't it, Ben? Yeah. I wrangled it. I'll take the credit. No, <laughs> so until until it. now I think the sacrament is my has been my favourite Thai movie. I haven't seen it. I heard him talk about it and now I really want to see the thing it. Is, his films are hard to come by because they're not on streaming platforms and uh, the DVDs aren't all in circulation anymore. Mm. Like, a lot of them have been, you know, discontinued or whatever you say. Uh, but I think X bumps that off the Oop. Table. Oop. Out of print. Yeah. yeah. The oop. <laughs> the oop. In the, in the eBay parlance. Yeah. So X bumps Sacrament off as like number one for me. What about you? What did you think of this film? I, X? Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was really good. And well, before X, like what was your favourite Ty West film? Well, probably, I mean, I think I've only seen three, so. Right. The House of the Devil. House of the Devil. Had you yeah. seen Innkeepers? I'd seen, I've seen yeah. Innkeepers, yeah. Right. And I liked, I really liked Innkeepers up and like the old man bit mm-hmm. really worked and then it was just like the last five minutes of it didn't mm. for me but I think I have to give it a rewatch because it's quite possible like I think I saw it at Acme yeah at Myth it's, it was it was like a midnight screening or something mm. like that. So it's quite possible that old Unky Ben <laughs> uh, well, drifted off. I want to go back and watch Innkeepers again because uh, you and I both listened to Ty West on Mick Garris's podcast and he gave some backstory on that film and it mm. sounds far more interesting to me now. Yeah. You know, knowing how they made it and, you know, it was just they were staying in the hotel and they, mm. they shot it there like because they had stayed there for their previous film, House of the Devil. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same house. It's the same house. (laughs) So, as I said, we were lucky to get a hold of Martin Henderson for a chat. Um, How fucking good is he in X? He's so good. He's really good. And he's unlike anything I've ever seen him in before. Yeah, because he's the guy from Flyboys and Bride and Prejudice. I've what else is he in? I didn't. I didn't get to uh, to admit this to him. That (laughs) I did say, and you'll. I think you'll hear it in the interview. That talk is my favorite <laughs> all-time Martin Henderson film. And X has now bumped that off the list. But I think I've seen Bride and Prejudice more <laughs> than any other of his films. Like I, like, and I did not like when it came out. Like I was, I like the BBC miniseries, and I don't mind the the Kira Knightley version. Like you know, I I grew up with a mum, and she liked those period <laughs> movies, and I like them too. I'm not ashamed to admit it. But that the Bride and Prejudice, I was like, oh, that's a bit weak. 
but I but I keep going back to it. Like I really like it. Mm. <laughs> like my you know first impressions aside, and it's I was going to mention it to him too because two New Zealanders with Daniel Gillies playing Wickham and him playing mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Darcy. I was like, this is a. <laughs> <laughs> These guys have flown over to India to work together. Like they could have done that at home. Oh shit! But no, I am I am the world's biggest talk fan. So we're about to play this chat for you. The biggest tragedy of this one was that the first what two to three minutes was not recorded. The publicist was in charge of this one, and we had did we not have the best conversation with him to get it started? We did, but you know, in her defence, it it was. Off the cuff, it just yeah, it was like just it was it was the hello part where you <laughs> kind of like something because what happens on these interviews is that now they're on Zoom, and you just pop up yeah, and once you get the audio and the video mm. is working correctly, it's it's a it's like an awkward bit of hey, how's it going? And then you have to pretend that you've just started yeah, the, interview. Start the interview and yeah. you're like, oh, hey, how's it going? Welcome <laughs> to the, you know. Which is what you're going to hear in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but prior to that, we actually, we just naturally got the ball rolling, had a great conversation about Martin being the meat in our sandwich and um, he references that at the very end. So I want to give the context yeah. because it does come full circle. And what a shame you guys don't get to experience that. But um, here we go, Martin Henderson talking about X and a, a few other things, in, including talk. Mm. And, and <laughs> pornography. Good Movie Monday is made possible with help from Kaiju Beer. Unashamedly intense Australian craft beer. I should preface this by saying Ben and I don't usually do these interviews together, so this could go anywhere. Oh, good. <laughs> they usually don't let me, uh, but I insisted on this one because I, am, uh, I like to consider myself the world's biggest talk fan. So, uh, <laughs> although, <laughs> although I have true, to say, true. X X has now surpassed it as my favorite Martin Henderson movie. Oh, yay! Thanks, Ben. <laughs> well, I don't know. Thanks for liking them both. They're, they're both they're both great films. Like, there's no there's no time where if either of them appeared on TV, would I not watch them? Sit down and watch them. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you guys and you know like what? X. Uh, yeah, he's not blowing smoke up your ass. He actually means that. But let's talk about X because I want to start by saying straight out, it's obvious that there are influences here at play. Texas Chainsaw Massacre being a huge one. Did you immerse yourself in Grindhouse Cinema to sort of prepare or get a sense of this genre? Yeah, I mean, some of these you know older movies, obviously, I'd watched way back in my fledging years as, a, as an actor, sort of taking interest in cinema. Um, so it was, it was a real treat to be ushered into that era of filmmaking again and talking with Ty when, you know, when I first got the film and I really wanted to understand his vision for it because on the page, you don't really, you know, the, the cinematic language and the style and the tone and the feeling, it's hard to write that stuff, you know, in a script. You, you get the character and you get the plot and whatnot. But it wasn't until speaking to Ty about how he was going to shoot it that I sort of started getting really excited. Like, oh, we're going to be in... I mean, the script was cool and it was original and it was different. And it was funny and it was titillating and it, you know, and it was scary and all that. So I knew it was going to be a good movie. But I think hearing his love of cinema and the way he wanted the movie to be a bit of a love letter to the bygone era of when movies were crafted in a way that, you know, is exciting and and to bring that back um, now when, you know, we were sort of joking, like most porn now is, you know, it's all shot on an iPhone and 
or Samsung or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's and, and horror movies, even, you know, that end up in the cinema, they're, they're not treated with the same cinematic reverence and style. So that was definitely a big draw card to doing this was that, you know, we've made a movie that's, uh, it's impressive in that regard, you know, and it's really reestablished Ty as a, as a true, as a true filmmaker. Absolutely. And uh, Ben gets all of his porn through his phone. So he was really happy to, to see this, you know, on a big screen. <laughs> That's weird. I get all of my porn through Ben's phone too. Which is- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that VPN is just not doing its job. <laughs> I mean, you've got, you've got to condense those files though, Ben. It's just taking me forever to download. My card is just getting doomed. That's why we call him Buffer Ben. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I only need I only need two pixels, two pixels. <laughs> oh, did the original script um does the, the completed film um reflect the original script or was there a lot of changes that happened along the way? Not not a great deal at all. In fact, that was one of the things that impressed me was not that it wasn't evident talking to Ty on set, but certainly when I watched the movie. Uh, yeah everything that he wrote was it was specific in the way in which he was building the tension and just the pacing and every shot was thought out and you know oftentimes it's not you get on a set and the scene obviously has been written you'll know what you're going to say and do and then the cinematographer might come up with a shot and the director might okay well then in that case let's let's do it on the picnic table or let's run down the beach or, and, and you're sort of making it up as you go along. But with Ty, given that he was the writer, obviously, as well as the director, his vision was so singular and so clear. And that was extremely evident when I finally sat down and watched the movie that everything was thought out in advance. And, and that was really impressive. And at first that's actually quite challenging as an actor, because depending on how you work, I love to get on set and, oh, let's try this, or let's try that, let's try it this way and see what's more fun or more interesting or more effective. But Ty was like, no, nope, it's going to be like this, and this is this is how we're going to do it. And at first, that feels a bit restrictive. Like you've got a, some handcuffs on and takes a bit of getting used to. But um, having worked with Gore Verbinski on, on The Ring, I kind of quickly realized, like, oh, okay, I see what Ty's doing here. Everything's so thought out because he has such a clear idea of how every single moment is going to build to the next whatever it's a jump scare or a bit of comic relief or a jump cut or you know it's all in his head in a way and but that does require quite a bit of trust as an actor because you're not necessarily given the same leeway as you might on a drama yeah right um and on that like as you mentioned the ring this isn't your first jump into the horror pool as well as you know you did strangers too um and this is a huge kind of departure from things like virgin river which you do uh, is there a palpable difference in terms of acting what does horror require of you that other genres don't um yeah it's a really good question and I, I, it's interesting like the ring was one of the first movies i ever did in america and i remember early early on like in rehearsals before we even were on set and Naomi and myself and Gore were sitting around talking about the script and what he imparted to it he said look I don't want you guys to ever think that you're acting in a horror movie he said leave that to me I'm making a horror movie 
you're just playing characters that are finding videotapes or find, you know hearing something strange in your base whatever it is so just play the reality of that i'll create the atmosphere and the tone and the suspense and i'll disorient the the audience with a camera angle or sound design like that so he he very much impressed on us we had to play it straight if you will and i think that was really good advice and um I, yeah um so in a way no you, you you i think the trick is to play it like it's uh real life although in x you've got a the extra challenge because it's it's so sort of ridiculous and absurd and heightened and uh, you know comedic it's it, the movie's very funny often you know and the characters are rather larger than life at times and i think that's that's probably more of the challenge is how to walk the line between making it grounded and real but also light and funny you know um mm. that's quite hard i am really curious that when you get the script and you read through the through, through it the first time do you ever get like kill jealous where you see how other <laughs> other characters are gonna you know, meet their end uh, and stuff and you're like oh my. and then you know the reverse of that is when you actually see the torture that they put through when that stuff is happening to them you're like um oh, maybe i'm glad maybe i'm glad i didn't uh, you know get killed by the crocodile or not to not to spoil anything or you know <laughs> Totally, yeah. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to answer that without ruining the movie for anyone. But I, um, I well, personally, I really loved. Um, I've, I've, I've had some good kills. Yeah, when I think about the ring, that was just warped and freaky and cool. Strangers uh, was yeah. That was that was pretty gruesome. And I, I, I really liked what happens in this. I don't want to say anything, but I really mm. like what happens in X. Um, but funnily enough, when we were at Sun, uh, South by Southwest promoting the movie the other week, I can't remember whether it was, I think it might have been Scott did express that he was a little disappointed that his demise was so sort of abrupt and conventional. And I, and I had never thought about it, but he, he obviously did have a little bit of kill envy, as you say. <laughs> I have to say that, like, the scene, not, not the, the, the scene where you step on the nail in the film that has to yeah. be one of the most visceral moments of cinema i've ever seen like the entire <laughs> audience like tie telegraphs that you know what's coming and just everyone in the audience just oh no totally <laughs> 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 i know it's you're right it's one of those and again ty this is you know ty he just knows what he's doing man and I remember that you know, that took a long time to shoot that little sequence. And I just wanted to get to the part where I was, you know, waxing lyrical and doing my bit. And then of course, looking through the hole and that whole bit, I was really excited about that. This friggin' thing with the nail. And I mean, you would, and you would have no idea the amount of, uh, you know, attempts that we had to do because the, the, the nail had to do a certain thing. And then the, the, the piece of wood that the nail was on had to stick to my foot, but I had to walk across the straw ground so my my foot didn't ha wouldn't stay oh, it was just took forever mm -hmm. and i remember thinking oh come on this is it's, it's it's a stupid little gag but i've watched the movie three times and every time when that camera just booms down and you see that nail the whole you just <laughs> you just feel the whole cinema going oh no don't do that to me and you do it in you your job want to see it too and i'm in my job yeah <laughs> I'm just I wonder, glad the did camera you, panned off. 
yeah. Did you ever worry about the fact that some people might be Googling Martin Henderson X? Because uh, that could lead them down a different a different road. <laughs> yeah, who knows what's going to turn up on the dark web? <laughs> who knows? Were there any that? reservations about getting your kid off in the film? Because I think everybody's nude at some point or other in this movie. Yeah, we are all sort of nude. Um, oh, you know, you just sort of, I mean, I'm getting, I'm, I'm just getting older, man. That's all. It's just like, <laughs> oh, really? I got to, I got to stay in shape for this thing. Um, I like the, the jobs where you keep your kid on. <laughs> um, you eat what you want. You know, you don't have to worry about it. Um. So yeah, there's, it's, I, I feel like the older I get, the more I sort of roll my eyes whenever I read he's in his undies or his shirt comes off. It's like, oh no. How do, um, you, how do you plan for that? Like when I, uh, this is like a, a, it's an odd question, especially if you could, if you could see me from, uh, from down, where I clearly I've never had a conversation with a personal trainer. But when you, when you have that and you go like, this is, I need to look like this and I've got X amount of time to do it. How do you know that they've got the juice to get you where you need to be? Like, how can you trust those guys to to do the job? Well, hopefully you're working with a professional. I've actually never used, I never used, a per, I've, I've had a trainer before at different times, but that's more for me kind of wanting to get in shape or, or learn something about, you know, health or, or exercising safely or optimally. But in terms of, working on a job i've actually never had a a trainer do that so i think maybe i don't trust them i think i just i think i can trust myself and my own regimen um you just look like that naturally you just like uh... (laughs) no i don't no no, i don't what i'm saying is i i work out rigorously to look like that um but i do it on my own i think um but I, I was going to say the key, the key is to try to not try to ramp up before the movie if you have some time. Otherwise, it's just hard work. So the key is I try to stay in relative shape between jobs so that if the job requires it, I'm like, okay, you know, I might have to go hard for six weeks or something and really watch what I eat and really work out a lot rather than you know three months of it because yeah. it gets boring. Um- We've probably exploited our time here quite a bit. So I've got two more questions for you before we let you run. Did the fact that you were a New Zealander play any part in you getting the role um, prior to the film being set down there or being the production being set down there? Um, I, I've never had the courage to ask because I'd like to think I got the film purely on my acting merits. Um, <laughs> but... I, so I've actually, I've literally been too scared to ask that question to anyone that could actually answer it accurately. But um, I don't know. I think when I got involved, the movie had been already just, it was already being shot in New Zealand. So I think that already jumped through whatever hoops they needed to in order to ensure it, you know, qualified. Um, and given that the writer, the director, the cinematographer, producers, you know, all of the cast bar me were, were from America, I think they ticked whatever tax break things they had to um with everyone else being kiwi so the whole crew was kiwi um in fact that all come off working on james cameron's avatar for like three years in doing all that tech green screen stuff well i don't even know if it's green screen i think now it's like next level whatever um 
So they were really relieved to get onto a sort of an old fashioned movie from a technical standpoint. Um, but so I don't, I don't know if me being a Kiwi was an advantage to me getting the job, but I, the movie being shot in New Zealand was like a carrot on the end of a stick. I was, as soon as I knew that, I was like, I'm going to be in this movie. I just wanted to go home. I hadn't, I hadn't worked in New Zealand for a long time. And I, the pandemic was sort of, had been raging around the world. And I just, yeah, for me, I, I was, I was going to get this job no matter what. It's good to be driving on the right side of the road again. Good to have roundabouts. You mean the left, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I just couldn't help it. Um, absolutely. Oh, you know, having a Milo, having some Vegemite, some Manuka honey, some yeah. little things like that just, just make me happy. I just... You know, it's it's the little things and, and the bush and whatnot. You know, I think for me, it's the nature too, like those smells and the sounds of the birds, things that you don't even know you're missing. And then you come home and you're like, sort of speaks to a part of yourself that lies dormant when you're not connected to it. You know, uh, Sam Elliott was pretty angry at Jane Campion for calling New Zealand Montana. He must be really pissed off at you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, he's going to be angry that we made it texas i guess i didn't understand that <laughs> how comment. dare you sir yeah i just <laughs> i think that's i think that's some of the the, the magic of filmmaking right is, is is making things seem something other than what they are and and i think that's what gets <laughs> people's creative juices flowing and um, i didn't i didn't pick it i didn't pick that it was shot in new zealand i thought it was oh, i didn't oh. know going in that it wasn't shot in texas and I, like i've been to new right. zealand a couple of times and i don't know like the weather that you got while you were shooting there was like absolutely perfect for for the kind of film that you were making i don't know how that yeah. i don't know how that happened <laughs> we got lucky i think we got lucky we we i mean that was smart we shot it in the middle of new zealand summer we sort of shot late jan all of feb and a little bit of march so it uh yeah that would that was clever i think had we shot anywhere outside of that weather window we probably would have encountered the the, the gray concrete ceilings that Aotearoa's is sometimes renowned for um but yeah i'm glad you didn't pick it because obviously i'm hyper aware there's a scene where where maxine's character is walking down to the lake for the first time the pond and she's walking through some sort of bushes and i as a as a Kiwi, I was like, oh, that's definitely New Zealand flora. <laughs> oh, hilarious. Uh, Martin, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us. It's been such a thrill and we love the film a lot. Oh, thank you, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm proud of it. I really, you know, and did you see Stephen King came out, I think it was last night and gave us his endorsement, which is really exciting. Oh, fantastic. So yeah, <laughs> couple of people would would uh, take his word on it i'm sure absolutely well take care good luck with the rest of it um yeah, all right boys amazing lovely being the meat in your sandwich <laughs> <laughs> tasty <laughs> see you see ya stick your cock up her ass you motherfucking worthless cocksucker be silent oh, oh.
Okay, Ben, it's your turn for another Devil Worship movie. What else have you got for us? All right. Well, look, I was, you know, we did talk about Little Nicky. <laughs> How does at, that go? At the start of the show. <laughs> and I, no, I, can, I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I never even slept over some dude's house. <laughs> it's my, my favourite line in the film. Uh, <laughs> I love a girl with a heart-shaped hiney. <laughs> I wonder if it's as I'll, I'm, I'll listen back to the show and I'll be I'll be very surprised if because in my head it sounds exactly like <laughs> yeah. it. and it'd be in reality it's the same as my Rodney Dangerfield and my Christopher Walken and I've li- I've heard those back and they do not sound anything like no Rodney but you bang on the money every time you do the dog the dog yeah <laughs> I love which it which is Triumph the Wonder Dog which is great Robert Schmeigel um, that is the ultimate. A devil movie, in my opinion, mm. the ultimate one, yep. but very, very close second. Mm. Well, okay, I'm sure there's stuff like The Exorcist, but let's, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> the very close second is uh, Race with the Devil from 19, uh, 1975. Well, from the devil rides out to race with mm. the devil. This is, um, yeah, that's hey. right. Like it's devil and speed. They go, <laughs> <laughs> they go hand in hand. Now they just need to make a, a, a devil and talk crossover. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that's it. Talk too. <laughs> yes. Satan on our heels or something. <laughs> uh, chasing Satan. <laughs> Talk too. Uh, Satan in chaps. Satan in cha- Yeah. Satan in leathers. Mm. Satan in leather. <laughs> that sounds like a lesbian pulp novel. Uh, <laughs> uh, now this... So this one from 1975. It's directed by Jack Starrett. Now, do you know who Jack Starrett is? I don't. Glenn? No. Should I? You should. Like he's direct. Apart from directing uh, Hollywood Man, which I've talked about on the show mm-hmm. before, and movies like Slaughter and uh, Cleopatra Jones, he's also probably most well known as Galt, the asshole deputy from First Blood. Oh, you're the kidding guy me. that instigates the whole thing. Yeah, and he went on. He went on to have this to have a fantastic kind of yeah right. You know, Almost like they're all southern, southern exploitation type movies. Yep, he did some great stuff, including like as I've said before, uh, Slaughter, Cleopatra Jones, Hollywood Man. Mm. Uh, but this one, I think this one is his best film, and it's it's got a great cast. It's Peter Fonda and Warren Oates, and they're like they own like a, a motorcycle dealership in I don't know where it actually where they're from, but they they decide to. Um, rent an RV and take their wives on a trip up to the snow. And along the way, they're kind of, they drive through Texas and they stop off one night in a field in the middle of nowhere so they could ride their dirt bikes around and stuff. And they mm. kind of, they set up the, the thing. And while they're, they're at, they ride their dirt bikes and they're getting pissed. They're having a good time. And then one of them spots a bit of nudity in the, Ooh. in the, yeah. <laughs> With his binoculars, and so, so Peter Fonda and Warren Oates. <laughs> you sure this wasn't last week? You know, just it's me in my house. I feel like this is Cluedo. Ben in the conservatory with the telescope. Yes. Ben on the back streets. The, yeah. <laughs> but they, they they see they see some stuff going on, like some hippies. That I mean, because this is in the seventies, so mm. hippies are a big thing. These hippies dancing around naked, and so they Warren Oates and Peter Fonda leave the wives behind to. Continue with the drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and they sneak off to get a better look. Investigation. Investigation. Mm. That's right. They're just More detective friend- work. <laughs> friendly. Just introducing themselves to the neighbours. Yeah. 
but uh, what they actually see is a woman being sacrificed right. in a ritual, complete with like guy with a you know the goat head or love head that and stuff. all that sort of stuff, and. They see it, they freak out, and when they freak out, they accidentally make a bit of noise, and yeah. they get spotted. They step on a stick? I don't There's think they someone's yeah. stepping yeah, on a yeah. stick. <laughs> it's a bit yeah. noisier than that, because they're still across the, still <laughs> a distance yeah. away. But So then they make off like a bat out of hell, and they're chased by the by the Satanists. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's like this, it's this really awesome kind of harrowing chase at night in the RV. Like, they're in the RV, and they're getting chased by the, <laughs> kind of, by the Satanists. But they... They escape and they head to the to the town, the closest town, where they immediately tell the sheriff. Yeah. And uh, the sheriff says, "Okay, well, you know, take me out there. Let's go have a look." And yet, they get suspicious when the sheriff is able to find his way directly to the campsite mm. without them telling him where it is. Likely story. Yes, fishy. So <laughs> they get a bit suspicious, but then the uh, but the sheriff assures goes, "Don't worry, you leave it to me." You guys just go. It's probably just hippies. They're probably just, you know, doing something with an animal or yeah, something. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it. Like, I'll take care of it. You can, mm-hmm. guys continue on your trip. Mm-hmm. Of course you will. And then, but basically, the ho- the rest of the trip, they get, there is like a massive, like this kind of really uh, seething sense of paranoia as they're being watched. Everywhere they go, they're being watched. And uh, then they're like, their dog gets killed and... Someone puts snakes in one of the compartments in the RV and all these kind of like stuff. Then they get mysterious people, uh, you know, bump into them on the road. Like they have like mini car accidents and all drive them off the road and all this sort of stuff keeps happening <laughs> while they're driving through Texas. So it's like this, they, this, like it, it's almost like everyone's in on it and they follow them through mm. the, the scrub of Texas. And it, it's just this, and it has this, it has an amazing ending that you do not see coming. It is, I kid you not, like it is one of the best yes. Satan movies I I've ever seen. I completely thought I had seen this because I was looking through movies to choose and that came up and I thought, I've seen that, but I can't be bothered revisiting it. I'll go for something a bit more recent. But um, I don't think I have seen it when you're talking about right. it. Although what you're saying sounds a lot like season four of The Sinner with Bill Pullman. There's a lot of that. <laughs> the whole investigating, there's rituals, like there's yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, that in yeah. there. I think they might have uh, taken some cheeky cues. See, I never watched The uh, the Sinner because of the <laughs> season one weird incest stuff that seemed to be going season on. Season one is the banger of the lot. The lot oh, but, I, yeah. can't even, I watched it. I can't even remember the incest part. So <laughs> Jessica Biel and that girl, aren't they like <gasps> mother-daughter or something? When oh, they're having that? No. I'm just going, to no. be honest with you, I'm going by what Scandal Planet said <laughs> on x <laughs> Anyway, we're not talking about that, uh, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's, a great, it's a great show. We'll bring it back up yeah, on when we do that yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's funny you say that. <laughs> Because my next movie has a lot of it. Um, surely, and this is a mind fuck of a movie. Have you guys seen Sheeton no. from uh, no. 2006, a French horror film with Vincent Cassell? Oh. And this, I mean, everyone should know who Vincent Cassell is. French actor who's you know, in Irreversible. He's also in the Oceans mm-hmm. 3 movie, 13, whatever. 13, 12, 11. 12, yeah, 12, and he's a, he's a real eccentric kind of actor. Lahane. He was is married he to Monica Bellucci. Yeah, Lahane is the one that put mm. him on the map. This movie's just next level. Now, but now he's uh, I follow him on Instagram, and his girlfriend's like twelve. <laughs> oh no, no, yeah. 12, she's, oh, no. she's like a model. Yeah, who's like, she's, she's like twenty. She's, yeah, she's yeah, much yeah, younger yeah, than him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, this one it's, it's so weird. And his younger sister. And his, sister. And his yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I've seen him with his shirt off. 
I can understand why she went well, for it. I'll tell you what, this is the best thing he's ever done as far as I'm concerned. It's not necessarily his best movie, but his performance is just mm-hmm. fucking out there. Because that's Brotherhood of the Wolf. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but it's um, it's about, it starts off a bit like Hostel. So a group of young people that have been in the club got ejected for being too rowdy. And one of the girls just says, well, let's go back to my house in the country. And the country, you know, they don't realise, is actually a good three or four hours away. So it's this long drive. And by the time they get there, they're greeted by a groundskeeper who's Vincent Cassell. And he's a real eccentric. He's even got one of those sort of twirly moustaches. And <laughs> he's overly happy and wants to share things, you know. Like, mm. and perves on the girls. But, in a, you know, like, you know, you're with me now. Yeah, you yeah. know, touch them up and all that. And it's fun. But then he starts touching up the boys too. And it's sort of so <laughs> strange. And they kind of, you know, then she keeps saying, no, he's just like that. You know, go along with it. It's fine. And they eventually go back to the house and it's just this whole night of have some fun, but he keeps taking the fun to another level. Mm. Then he says, let's go to the hot springs. We've got hot springs nearby. So they start going to the hot springs and along the way they, they meet a girl. And he, he looks at the other young guy and says, oh, you like you like her? And he goes, oh, she's all right. He goes, you want to fuck her? And he, he, he the guy goes, okay, uh, but you know, <laughs> I don't think that's right. And he goes, trust me. And then he goes and talks to the girl and then suddenly the girl's licking his face and wants it. And the guy goes... That's my niece, you know? <laughs> 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 you know. And they get to the hot springs and it turns into this um, let skinny dip and he's all for it. He's like, I want to get my kid off in front of all these kids. And so they then start getting in the water, hopping on each other's shoulders and having fights. And then all the kids from the town come along and it turns into this big rough and tumble in the water. And Vincent Casale's loving it and then just takes it to the next level and starts getting rough with them. Then, cut two, go back to the house. The night just takes a real turn when he turns out to be a complete devil worshipper <laughs> who he tells them in a story that he um, he made a pact with the devil that he would... Is this a major spoiler? No, it's not at all. <laughs> it's not at all because it's written in the synopsis on all the DVDs and that. Right. But he was promised invincibility by the devil if he would return favour by giving the devil a child. So he gets his sister pregnant and then... That's where the child is coming. So the whole movie, he's like waiting for this child to be born. And then like, no spoiler, the climax. And he plays the sister. He plays the sister. What? Yeah. And so he's like fucking himself. Right. And, and so when, when I show you oh pictures of what who it was hasn't, like. Who hasn't fucked themselves. Yeah. And, and it just, it's the most batshit crazy movie I've ever seen. As their sister. As far as. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> as far as ultra violence goes, there's only brief moments of real, real gory stuff. It's just the themes that are so R-rated and full on. And he's just insane. I've never wow. seen that, a performance quite this level. And I just love him. I adore him for it. You know, you know, I I adored him anyway, but you know. So, who was better in bed? That's <laughs> <laughs> that. But this will be interesting because, um, you know, would you is the question when you have a look at what he looks like. <laughs> so Sheaton, which you know, I think in French is Satan, and um, it, I've always pronounced it Shaitan. But well, I maybe could be wrong. I pronounce everything wrong, so that could be right. I don't yeah. know. They don't actually say it in the movie, so who knows? Those bastards. I know. Well, you know, that's that's Edgar Wright's. Uh, uh, thing like when they say the na- if they say the name of the film in the film, uh, he and his friends they stand up at the back and <laughs> give it a bit of a golf clap. Well, anyway, um, get some. It's amazing. Oh, I've got to check this one out. Good Movie Monday is made possible with the support of people like Viewlorium. Viewlorium is a streaming platform for rare and obscure movies, and it's absolutely free. They also have a catalogue full of kids' flicks, classic movies, foreign cinema, and more. Visit viewlorium.com today to see what it's all about. 
Hello and happy Monday, friends. I'm Chloe from Movie Night with the Richie Girls, here to grace your ear holes this week with some devil worship. Now, as per usual, I am staying within my lane. As my mother always says, if you're good at it, stick to it. And if I'm going to take anyone's advice, it's going to be hers because I've actually pissed her off enough some days to see real hellfire in her eyes. So it's very fitting this week. Now, I don't know if I've definitely classified this movie as devil worshipping per se, but I can tell you now that if Liz Hurley was Beazelbub, then I'd consider selling my soul too. Can anyone say Lady Boner? Casting choice spot on. I am, of course, talking about Bedazzled. I can tell you that I did see this in the cinemas when it came out. I remember very clearly going with mum and I have a significant memory of her saying at the end, well, that wasn't exactly appropriate for a 10 year old, but oh well. (laughs) This obviously is a remake of the 1967 classic, but this version of Bedazzled came out in the year 2000 and was directed by Harold Ramis, who, you know, obviously needs no further introduction. It stars a very dorky and a very yummy Brendan Fraser, who, by the way, does a whole 15 to 20 minutes of movie in Spanish. And don't get me wrong, I know absolutely nothing about other languages, but to the layman, aka me, he honestly did sound flawless. If I had to choose a favourite part of this film, it would probably be Brendan Fraser as Sensitive Elliot. I mean, come on. Comedy gold. If you know, you know. Although this is a remake, I actually think this film is extremely underrated. You'll often find that comedies from the late 90s and early noughties were funny and lighthearted, but not laugh out loud funny. Bedazzled honestly made me laugh out loud, which I truly believe is Brendan's interpretation of the script. His timing, his facial expressions, it was all perfect and just a great testament as to why he was so popular back then. I was kicking myself as to why I hadn't revisited this movie sooner also. A few things that did irk me upon my return watch, Orlando Jones' English accent is one. Look, I love your work, dude, but no. I couldn't tell if it was on purpose or like a character choice or, you know, he was just that terrible. At the end of the day, I really don't care. It was annoying to watch. And the other thing that did irk me was the fact that they made Brendan Fraser's character so unlikable at the beginning of the film. He isn't unlikable through the rest of the movie, so I didn't understand that choice. All in all, I am so incredibly happy I rewatched this movie. It is super underrated if you ask me. So jump over to Amazon Prime and give it another watch because it is so worth it. That is my slightly hot under the collar for Brendan Fraser opinion this week and I am sticking to it. Bye, friends. She who calls herself basic bitch, which I think is a little bit too self-depreciating, to be honest with you. But thank you, Chloe, for Movie Night with the Richard Girls podcast. I think that she connects with a very real and sizable audience that um, aren't as pathetically nerdy as we are. So, <laughs> no, we've got to consider that. <laughs> Speaking of self-deprecation. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, that brings us to my new favourite moment of the uh, of the show. Every month when you're on, we're going to do some horror trivia. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, a staple part of any Melissa show now. Uh, let's end with some questions and the winner will score a free um, metaphorical, proverbial, whatever drink of choice at the next Melbourne Horror some trivia Society you screening. Mean. Huh? Some trivia. What did I say? Questions. <laughs> Let's end with some questions. <laughs> Fucking hell. I have been drinking and you can tell. <laughs> Let's do you carry want to do on. It again? No, 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 fuck it. Let's just keep going. <laughs> We're on a roll now, buddy boy. All right. 
And um, of course, before we get into it, that screening, drum it into them. It's House of the Devil on April 26th. Tuesday, April 26th. Now, are you playing it off the VHS that they released of House <laughs> of the Devil? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what answer do you want? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. You'll, you'll just have to come along and see, Ben. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I will. Mm. I was going to come along to last week's one, but... Uh, did you get stuck at Boom Gates as well? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. And I went there looking forward to hanging out with both of you. Yeah. <laughs> Neither of us were there. No. That's I, all right. I no, I, look, I feel, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel that comfortable going because it's always like a packed out house and I feel like I take up a chair and a half mm. and I'm like, I just feel sorry for the poor bastard who has to sit next to me. On hey, I had a big bastard like, sit in front of me at this one and I had to move across a little bit, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm still, still... lean over the yeah. side. I just feel bad. I, feel bad. I'm, I'm I feel bad friend. for other people and I think, why do I give a fuck about other Sometimes people? Sometimes I take cushions and... Mate, the, the, the answer to that is back row, back row, my friend. Yeah. Well, that's I said the last time I came, which was years ago, and that's I wasn't sure because I know that the the, the membership is fifteen dollars. Uh, fifteen dollars for three screenings. For three yeah. screenings. Yeah. Well, see, These days, but when you when I, the last time I went, it was ten dollars. Yeah. And I've still got I've got two cards with with only like one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> screenings taken out. Well, I wonder if these are still valid. Yeah, <laughs> they would be. I, <laughs> we're pretty. I reckon. We're pretty. Um. Yeah. yeah excellent. <laughs> they were trigger happy on the whole punch. I can tell you. So they probably just would have grabbed it. And they, yeah, uh, go for it. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, back in the day, back in the day when it was the last crew operating it, mm-hmm. I had one and. They just never, like, or Dave, Dave was there then, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, they never bothered stamping, like, squeezing out the thing. Uh, so I was like, sometimes I didn't even have one. I just turned up. That's how I saw pieces the first time. <laughs> was that, I was like, oh. You're a cheesecake, mate. Know, You're a freeloader. I'm a freeloader. Like, I'm the problem. <laughs> that's, what, that's why we pay for all of our, our rights out of our own pockets these days. Because of I you, you ha- Ben. I didn't know you had to pay. I yeah, thought it was a film society you get Yeah, no, to, it's cheaper. Uh, it's cheaper than theatrical screening rights. But yeah, we do but still, you still pay, have to pay screening rights. Outrageous. Yeah. Damn, Park Circus. Yeah. They're always there. Yeah, trust them. Anyway, let's get some <laughs> questions out of the way. I'm going to go first um, to get us rolling. Uh, can you name the four H.B. Lovecraft adaptations directed by Stuart Gordon? Oh, jeez. Uh, is it Reanimator? Yes. Oh, yeah. Dagon? Yes. Uh, from Beyond. Yes. One more. Uh, Beyond Reanimator. <laughs> Bride of Reanimator. <laughs> Negative. He didn't direct those. Uh, it had a remake rest- recently di- um, produced by Dallas Sonnier. Puppet Master. <laughs> <laughs> no, Castle Freak. Castle Freak. I've never seen Castle Freak. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> All right, Ben, lay, lay it on us. All right. Now, Ben came <laughs> very prepared for this part of the I show. I did, and these trivia questions are top-notch. <laughs> <laughs> now, this first one is in 12 parts. <laughs> no. I knew it. No. It's a very simple one. Which famous film director was the DOP on Misery? Jeez. I've got two answers in my head, and I think they're both wrong. I want to go for either Barry Sonnenfeld. Correct, sir. Yeah, got it first go. There you go. All right. Oh, it's me. It is you. All right. How many Friday the 13th movies were released in the 80s? Five. Eight. Yeah. 
Wow. Eight, yeah. Eight. There we go. Man, back in those days, like one. They pumped them in. Yeah. Far out. All right. This is, uh, I think, an easy one. I think you both probably have this one in the bag, but <laughs> who directed Pumpkinhead in 1988? <laughs> no, no idea. Famous uh, makeup oh. special effects artist. It's his, uh, the only film he's ever directed. Stan Winston. <gasps> yes. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> Indeedy. After Shock a bonus horror. point, how many installments are in the Pumpkinhead film franchise? <gasps> Four? Yes. Oh, wow. Well done, Ben. There Where we you go. go. Where you doing, go? I'm doing well this week. <laughs> so you're yeah. up You're up next. Oh, I'm up next. Okay. Now you now you should get this one. Oh, I God. Think, he, doesn't you know need, he doesn't even need paper for this one. No, I don't. <laughs> what is Chucky's favorite game in Child's Play 2? What does he want to play with the kid? Oh, watched number two for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm... it's the same in it's the same in number three. Yeah, I'm and Bride of it. Chucky. It's I think it's this. He, he always wants now, to play see, the I same game. I should know game. this too, you know. Yeah, because I, I've watched number two more than any other. You've watched them more recently than me. I think it's not hide and seek. Well, it's very close to that. Oh, um... What does Chucky want? A soul to keep. Yeah. But, so, what does he want to play? Hide the soul. Um. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's like you had it right. You <laughs> yeah. had it. It's like hide and seek. What does he want? He wants to play hide the soul. Oh, That's yeah. his game. I know. I couldn't. Yes. I couldn't stand the the, the looks <laughs> on your faces as you're trying to <laughs> think of the I'm, answer. I'm looking at the Chucky doll in the corner, <laughs> like like looking at it, going, "Come on, tell me, <laughs> tell me, <laughs> what do you want to play? Let's play." Hide the soul. <laughs> <laughs> Any other episode that's, that's hide the sausage, but you know. <laughs> All right, Mel, bring it home. Okay, the Revenge of Michael Myers is the subtitle for which Halloween movie? Six. No. No, it's not. That's no, curse. Yeah, no, you go. Oh. Yeah. Five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? I had no idea. No idea at all. Yes, my friend. The only one I know is three. Season of the Witch. Oh. Is it season of the Witch? Yeah. Of the Witch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know yeah, that. that no. really well, yes. I don't know. And I don't know like yeah. which one which one's H2O. I don't know which one that is. Is it nine? Oh. Is it eight? Is it seven? seven. Yeah, it is seven. seven. I always get that. And what's the one what's the one after that? Oh, um, resurrection. resurrection. Resurrection, yeah. So, Resurrection, mm -hmm. I so I rewatched them all. Well, rewatched or watched for the first time them all in October. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that I'd seen Resurrection before. And, you know, I'm on the bandwagon. I'm like, ah, oh, fucking Resurrection, that's bloody piece of, of shit. It. You know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you loved and then, it. You loved no, no, it? no. I started it and I'm like, oh, shit, I haven't seen this. <laughs> so, I've been paying it out all these years. <laughs> and now that I think about it, I think that I was, I was, Picturing, because I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know it, but I think I was actually picturing scenes from the remake of Friday the 13th. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think, but I haven't rewatched that yet, so I'm not 100% sure, but yeah. <laughs> That's what I think about H2O. Like, oh, I haven't H2O actually seen so H2O. Good. I've just seen the trailer yeah. 10 million H2O times. is no, the screen so good. Of the yeah, yeah, no, it's so good. Is, is, is Resurrection the one, the reality show one? Yes. With her in the house? Yeah. Oop, oop, I nearly knocked that I think that maybe. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, because I know now. Because yeah, I know it. now. I didn't before. So I think that's the only one I saw theatrically, aside from the, like, the new ones. Yeah. yeah, H2O and Resurrection are the only two I had seen theatrically mm. as well. Yeah. I actually don't hate. Resurrection. I didn't. I didn't hate it. Isn't, I didn't hate it. Like, but is Buster Rhymes? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I like yeah. that the nerdy guy who. I mean, it's not good, but I like kind of liked it. Yeah. yeah. But I do get it mixed up with House on Haunted Hill, 
because of that, because of that, because of the, you know, they he fakes it for a part of it, and he's got the guy in the walls, pulling all the tricks, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that? Yeah, no, but Which, no. Is it the, <laughs> We've had the same problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's an episode we should do, Dark Castle Movies. Yeah. Dark Castle Movies. Yep. Yes. Good. Anyway, huge thank you to the Good Movie Monday players, Jarrett, Guillermo, Chloe, and the Boneheads. Make sure you track them all down on social media, give them a like, and uh, while you're at it, give us a like too, drop a comment on our social media, all that kind of stuff. And don't forget, we've got a bunch of giveaways currently up on the website, so head to goodmoviemonday.com to get in on that action. Uh, if you want to watch any of the movies that we've talked about, Ben, where can they go? Just say uh, my house. I've got the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me a call. Space I'm on the always couch. Always there. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to see Ben spin plates on his nipples, check out our TikTok account. It's glorious and uh, wow. fun. They're bite-sized moments. <laughs> they're not bite-sized. They're like pencil erasers. <laughs> they're nibble-sized. <laughs> So what was that movie where they've got the he's got the really long nipples? And they're really oh, gross. No, that's the commercial where he goes commercial. looking for beer. <laughs> <laughs> you play hooky on those things. But you can go to Letterboxd. Letterboxd is the other place you can try. <laughs> we didn't mention that, but Letterboxd. Every week, usually sometimes around Wednesday or Thursday, I put up the list of the previous week's show. And uh, Mal, thank you so much. It's great to have you on and we miss you already and can't wait to have you back. Aww. Back next month. So if you'll fun. have me. We definitely will. <laughs> and everybody goes to melbournehorrorfilmsociety.org. And if uh, you're in Melbourne, get along to those screenings. Ben, it's been real, mate. It's been good. It's been real, bro. Our sign-off sh- uh, song is of your choosing. Do you want to tell us about the Leuven Brothers? The Leuven Brothers are this great old-timey <laughs> band. But they there were two brothers. And they there's a whole... If you've ever listened to the podcast Cocaine and Rhinestones... Uh, you'll know who they are. If you haven't, I can highly recommend that podcast. It's all about country and Western music and the the kind of the birth of it and the, the progress of it. But the Leuven Brothers were these, they, there's two of them. I think there might be one more. At, at one point, there might have been a third, but they could sing in like perfect harmony. Like they, these guys were like freaky in their talent and they were they became incredibly popular. But then one found religion and it, things went a bit pear-shaped after that. And they ended up splitting up and had their own solo <laughs> careers and stuff like that. But while they were together, they made this song that Satan is real. And it is. This is their public service announcement, this is isn't their, it? Yeah, it's like it's basically them doing giving you a sermon. They're not even singing in the, in the track. <laughs> which, is, which is why we left it for the sign-off for, song. <laughs> yeah, because it goes forever. Yeah. So sit back and enjoy that one. Uh, Satan is real. Beware, people. Um, mm. And we'll see you next week when we talk about serial killer movies, not too far removed from today's show. And our special guest will be Amber Seeley, the director of the uh, Ted Bundy film Son of No God, which stars uh, Elijah Wood and Luke Kirby. So we'll see you then. Have a good one. Enjoy this little sermon. Uh, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Mel. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Satan is real. Working in spirit. You can see him and hear him. service at a little church in the country not long ago.
prayer was led by an old country preacher who then raised his hands as everyone stood and sang, My God is Real. A warm breeze through the open windows brought in the smell of new-mown hay in a nearby field, and the singing of birds could be heard in the moment of silence as the preacher opened his Bible to read. And then a little old man stood up, bent with age, his hair thin and white, and said, Preacher, tell them that Satan is real too. You can hear him in songs that give praise to idols and sinful things of this world. You can see him in the destruction of homes torn apart. I know that Satan is real, for once I had a happy home. I was loved and respected by my family. I was looked upon as a leader in my community. And then Satan came into my life. I grew selfish and unneighborly. My friends turned against me. And finally, my home was broken apart. My children took their paths into a world of sin. Yes, preacher, it's sweet to know that God is real and to know that in him all things are possible. And we know that heaven is a real place where joys shall never end. But sinner friend, if you're here today, Satan is real too. And hell is a real place, a place of everlasting punishment. Satan is real. Which franchise has earned the most at the box office out of Halloween, Friday the 13th, and A Nightmare on Elm Street? I want to say Nightmare on Elm yeah, Street say because it's the house that Freddy built at you know, New Line. It's probably Friday the 13th, though. Because there's more installments? Yeah, I think that would be your blue ones. But no, Nightmare. It would have to be Nightmare. I reckon Nightmare too, although... <sighs> but then you got Maybe it's Halloween, Halloween yeah, got with the, the remakes. Because the new ones... Do the new ones count? Yeah, well, it's a franchise. It's a franchise. So the Rob well, Zombie yeah, prob- and yeah, probably Halloween then. and the new David Green Gore one. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so at more than four hundred and sixty-eight million, it was the Friday the Thirteenth franchise until the release of Halloween in twenty eighteen, which is now grossed. So that franchise is now grossed more than seven hundred and seventy-three million worldwide. Oh, Poor Freddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because his remake sucked balls. Sure did. Can't, can't can't give that one away. Yeah. 